0: Welcome back to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies podcast. Today I have another doctor on the show, and his name is Dr. Philippe Duyon and he is a neurologist. And I'm super excited to explore this side of entrepreneurial uh, entrepreneurship, and even maybe we'll dive into some parenting. We don't really know where the conversation will go because if you've heard my show before, we just start talking and see. And so uh, this will be a very new topic. We haven't really uh, touched on this before and I'm excited to see where it goes. So before I bring Dr. Duyan on, let me let you know a little bit about him. Dr. Philippe Duyan is a board certified neurologist who helps high performance individuals and business leaders crack the code to hacking the most powerful tool at your disposal your brain. From years of witnessing firsthand the disastrous effects of neurological disorders, Dr. Dion discovered that the solution was simple, take charge of your brain. Many of us don't realize that you do not have to fall victim to your neurological makeup. Dr. Juyan believes that success in life and business starts in the brain and is on a mission to spread the empowering message that you can rewire your brain to create a life you were meant to live, regardless of age, all without prescribing a single pill. Please welcome Dr. Philippe Duyon to the show. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this.
0: I'm so excited about this conversation. I have not really touched on this much, uh, especially for business owners in this angle, Uh, But before we dive in, I'm going to ask you my icebreaker question, which is, uh, what is your favorite cookie and or cookie memory?
1: (laughs) So my favorite cookie, do you remember that um, there's this supermarket, at least here in the Northeast, called Pathmark? Oh, yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, Pathmark used to have this Pathmark brand chocolate chip cookie when I was a kid. And I used to absolutely love it. That's like my favorite cookie of all time, but now I, I can't find it.
0: <laughs> oh, no. You might have to go online and like go to those like vintage like stores, but they're probably not good. It's a cookie. Yeah. And why did you love those so much? They just stuck, stuck out to you as a kid or?
1: Yeah, I think uh, one, it, it tasted really good. It tasted very different than a lot of the uh, regular chocolate chip cookies. And then it was always something... Uh, that I would have either at a friend's house or as a reward for something. So (laughs) have some good memories tied in there.
0: Yeah, that sounds fun. And um, you're in New York, right? So those uh, Northern listeners, I like the black and white cookies. Every time I go to New York to visit family, my grandfather lives there, uh, my uncle, and I have to make a stop to get a black and white cookie. Nice. They're just so good. We don't get them down here in Texas.
1: Oh no. (laughs)
0: I well, if and if I feel like if I do, it's at like a, a bakery where it's just not the same, something and it's just like the pizza, it's just something um, in the water.
1: Yeah, no. right. The pizza in New York is very different than pizza everywhere else.
0: Oh, 100%. 100%. Um, and I was raised by a New Yorkers, so I was spoiled. So it's hard to like accept one when it's not, you know? So. Um, so let's dive in a little bit uh so where are you from what's your background you're also a fellow parent so tell us a little bit more about your background how you got into becoming a doctor all the things
1: yeah so born and raised here in New York every time I try to leave there is something that pulls me back in and I try to leave often no <laughs> <laughs> um, where would you I- go
0: if you're leaving if you want to leave where would you try to go
1: uh, you know I need to go someplace that's warm all year round okay Could be outdoors and active i grew up playing and competing in tennis so i can do that uh you know with ease because you can't do that here in in new york as easily as other places so yeah Yeah. someplace that's nice and warm all year round
0: all right well good luck to that
1: (laughs) (laughs) so uh so yeah you know i've uh so like you said i'm a doctor i'm a neurologist and became a neurologist because i had a cousin with epilepsy when i was growing up and then i had a um grandmother who developed Alzheimer's disease, uh, again, while I was growing up. And even though those are two really devastating illnesses, obviously, to go through, but also to witness, there was that part of me that just thought, oh my God, when the brain works the way that it's supposed to, it's this incredibly beautiful and powerful uh, organ. And so that's what really got me started in neurology. And then when I was in group private practice for years, I recognized that The most impact that I had on patients' lives wasn't when I was prescribing them pills or taking them from procedures. It was really when I was getting them to start to think differently about who they were, about their lifestyles, about what they wanted for themselves, and about their lives in general. Um, And that's really when I saw the most significant change. And so that sort of uh, steered me more towards the work that I do now, which is more, I guess, in that sort of coaching sort of realm.
0: Right. So you go from private practice to coaching. Yeah. And so why did you want to focus or what was your aha when you decided you wanted to work with business owners?
1: Yeah. So for me, it was really about working with people uh, that are very similar to me. Right. So, um, you know, obviously I went to medical school. I started my own business in the BrainFit Institute. I, I wrote a book. Um, I created an app. So really wanting to work with people who really try to share their their knowledge and their experience with other people to make their lives better. And one of the things that a lot of people don't realize about me is that I'm also a two-time kidney transplant recipient. So I was diagnosed with kidney failure when I was 18 years old, a freshman in college. Had my first transplant at uh, 28 years old. So eight days after I graduated from medical school. And then, you know, uh, like so many of us have been affected by COVID, I ended up getting COVID and was hospitalized and it completely took out whatever kidney function I had left. Mm. was just enough to have a second uh, kidney transplant in May of last year. Wow. So not only am I, you know, this business person, um, this individual who really believes in, in sort of taking life to a completely different level, I'm also uh, been a patient my entire adult life. And so I've worked with people, especially who are like, me, um, people who have these, you know, big dreams, big goals for businesses and their career, but also who have had to deal with some uh, challenges in their life.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can relate. I had um, my first back surgery when I was 18, fresh uh, summer after freshman year of college and had a staph infection after, which was crippling. And then I had another surgery. Um, if I just hit my f- my youngest is five, so five-year mark because he was four months postpartum and had another spinal uh, surgery. So pain and doctors and all the things in your adult life—it's—it's um, it's so different. I, I don't know because I wasn't a sickly child, but I can just imagine how different. Because I think that we are like we're adults, we're big, we're big kids, and we can—you know—we should have control over our bodies. And um, kids might not know any different. Yeah. And so it's—it's um, a, it's a huge thing to overcome, especially when you're older and you know what it's like to not be like with pain and now you have it. So it's, it's a big mental task.
1: And one of the things that I've found is overcoming those kind of health challenges, um, you have to adopt the same principles as you do when you're overcoming business challenges. Mm. So, uh, so it's been really, you know, it, it's what's helped me overcome a lot of the uh, challenges that I've faced in life.
0: So expand on that on how you would compare the two.
1: Yeah. So I think for me, one of the first things that I had to do, especially when I was diagnosed with uh, kidney disease was I had to change the way that I thought about myself, about my life, about how my life was going to go. Um, You know, there's some studies out there that show that we have anywhere between 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts per day. And I don't know how they count people's thoughts, right? But um, about 90 to 95% of those thoughts are the same exact thoughts that we had yesterday. And right? so if people are constantly thinking the same thoughts over and over, then you, then you realize why people are not able to change their lives in the way that they want. Mm. Right? Because our thoughts really guide the actions that we take. And out of those 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts per day, 60 to 70% of them are negative. Right? And then so you, now you start to realize, well, why people are living these lives that they're not happy with, and then why they're struggling to change them. And so I had to change the way that I thought my life was going to go. I mean, at 18, right, you're supposed to be like immortal. You're supposed to be invincible, right? Right. All of a sudden, here I was now dealing with this health issue. But the second principle is that I really had to create a vision for my life and follow that vision. And so, and for me, that was, well, I I needed to graduate college. I needed to, I wanted to be a Mm -hmm. doctor, right? So that was the vision. And that was the vision that I continued to work on. And so one of the things that I see oftentimes as a physician is that people so strongly identify with their health issues, with their diagnosis, right? They take that label and they live up to it. And so one example that I often give is that I was uh, taking care of a person who had epilepsy and a seizure disorder, and he had not had a seizure in more than six months. And he was just coming to see me for follow-up. So I was like, oh, how have you been? What have you been up to? Have you been working? Have you been traveling? Whatever. And he's like, no, I have epilepsy. And I was like, yeah, but you haven't had a seizure (laughs) in six months. Are you just waiting for the next one? Right? Right. People live up to whatever they think that that label should be. And for me, I never, like, yes, you know, having kidney disease and having had two transplants, it's part of my story, but it is not the entirety of who I am, and it may not, not even sure. be a full chapter in the book of the life of Philippe Dion. It might just be a few pages. So I think, no, uh, yeah. So, you know, first thing you ought to do is change the way you, that you think. You certainly have to have a vision for your life. and I think these are all things that are applicable to uh, business.
0: Yeah, because it doesn't define you. It's just, it's a hurdle that you're overcoming or you're maybe living with it. Um, I mean, I remember when I, I was in co- chronic pain for 13 years, cause I kept going to doctors and they didn't know what to do to help me. Or I was so terrified of having another surgery because it was so bad. I, you know, when I was 18, like you said, you're supposed to be immortal and you have a vision of just like, I just wanted to graduate college. I'm in the best shape of my life. I was supposed to be playing sports and now I'm laid up in a hospital bed, 30 pounds lighter and can't walk. So it's, it's a huge shift. And then you also lose, like I was an athlete, so it just kind of took away my identity because that's all I really was up until that point. So taking it and really switching your mindset and understanding that there's more to it um, is a, is a challenge. And if you don't have the right people in place, you could really fall and get stuck. It seems.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was a college scholarship athlete at the time when I was diagnosed with uh, kidney disease. And really my story starts um, when I collapsed on the tennis court and was not able to move. And, you know, playing this tournament in this small little town uh, a couple hours away from my university and having to be taken to a hospital there. Right? And so, yeah, it, it can be so difficult uh, for this idea that you have of who you're supposed to be.
0: Uh, yeah. Think, yeah.
1: You know, certainly, if you can change the way that you think about yourself and your life, you and realize that, yeah, the, these challenges that we face, they don't, they don't make up who we are. They're just part of our our story.
0: So, when you work with um, entrepreneurs and business owners, do you dive into like those buzzwords that you hear these days, like imposter syndrome, or? um, getting out of their own ways and hurdles to, and so to help them free up something to maybe give them an aha moment or some sort of breakthrough, uh, how do you, and what kind of things do you run into and work through?
1: Yeah. So it really depends on what that person is going through. Sure. Uh, We'll find that a lot of things keep people stuck. And so last week there was somebody that I was talking to and it was really about the traumas that she had faced from childhood and those traumas include uh, sexual abuse uh, a really horrible marriage and then getting her to realize that you know and then she was diagnosed also with like some mental health issues um but getting her to realize that that's not a who she is like yeah she has those experiences and a lot of times when we have these really tough experiences in life we can actually turn them into a strength right because what allows us to connect with other people is our stories. And so somebody on this planet, if not millions of people, on this planet, they're going through what you've already been through. And now you can help them move out of that space. Right? And so it really depends on what the person uh, is struggling with. But certainly a lot of people in business, they, they struggle with trying to figure out what their purpose is. Uh, they certainly struggle with having a vision for what they want their business and their life to look like. Uh, they struggle with actually taking very good care of themselves. And so that's mm-hmm. that we focus on uh, quite often.
0: That's a huge thing too, especially coming off pandemic is like self-care. We It was very revealing for a lot of people. Um, everyone's stuck at home and getting creative on how to get their alone time or get their mental break so to speak, and it became challenging. And I'm sure you probably saw, maybe a boom in business because of the pandemic, yeah?
1: <laughs> well, you, you see a lot of people struggling, right? And certainly, aside from the uh, physical and emotional and mental and neurological issues that, that the virus itself caused, you know, people were, were struggling because they were losing their jobs. People were struggling because all of a sudden they're stuck in this house with a partner that they're used to being away from 50 60 70 yeah. right and it's like yeah
0: oh, yeah. Oh, yeah how do
1: we like i don't even know if i like this person anymore right they're uh, stuck in the house mm-hmm. with kids all day and then you sort of realize, oh school is a very good babysitting service <laughs>
0: I mean, you're not cut out to be a teacher. Like I just, I have younger kids. And so I was like, I am not an elementary school teacher. I can't teach them how to do reading, writing, math, this is all the basic things you need for school. Like I thought I was doing homework help. Like when I had children, like I, my parents are educators. My my sister is a principal. Like I didn't get that. Like I'm in sales, I'm in marketing, I'm in fitness, health and wellness. I'm not in the the realm of teaching. And, and I think even, even teachers at home with their kids, yeah. they didn't want to learn from them. It's like, that's mom, that's dad. I don't want to learn from you. So it was challenging.
1: Yeah, so it was definitely challenging, right? And then people felt like they couldn't even go outside. Um, and certainly, right. you know, trying to interact with other adults, at least face-to-face, was sort of um, out of the question. And so, Especially in
0: New York, it's running rampant up there.
1: Oh, especially in New York, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was living in New York City in Manhattan at the time, where, you know, even when you're living in really nice buildings, it's still one on top of the other, right? You're taking these uh, elevators that are packed, going to the different floors. And I was like, huh, maybe I shouldn't be living here anymore, right? So I, and I moved out of New York City as a result. Um, so yeah, it, it was a very challenging time. And that caused a lot of mental health physical health and neurological health issues.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so how can we rewire our brain for better health and productivity as maybe a leader or a parent? Like how can we start that process?
1: Yeah. So, you know, the great thing is that so we used to think that our brains did not change unless like we got some degenerative disease like dementia or we had some kind of traumatic brain injury that caused us to lose brain cells, caused us to lose neurons and we now know that that's not the case our brains are constantly evolving we're constantly making new neurons and connections and we do so with the thoughts that we have and certainly the actions that that we take part in and what's really great about that is that one if our brains are constantly evolving that means that we're capable of evolving as Mm -hmm. individuals as communities as a society and two we are in control of how our brains evolve. There are things that we can do every single day to help our brains uh, evolve in really positive ways. One of the biggest promoters of neuroplasticity, which is your brain's ability to make new neurons and make new connections, it's your brain's ability to adapt and to learn and to heal from, from injury, is exercise. So physical exercise, is not just good for the aesthetics of your body, it's not just good for heart health, it's the most important thing that you can do for the health of your brain and mm-hmm. so whether you are somebody who you know is running their own business or uh you know even somebody who's a student exercise is incredibly important and in fact there are studies that show that you know how like everybody crams into the last minute for a right? there are studies that show that you're better off going for around an hour before the test than you are cramming for it you'll retain more right? really And uh, last week, I mentioned to you before that I was giving a talk um, and I was sort of preparing the notes for my talk. Then I was like, okay, I can continue looking at these notes, right? Or I can get a workout in. And I went and just got a workout in. And for me, that really helped. Like I was able to sort of retain everything that I wanted to say and and really engage in great dialogue with people. So exercise is incredibly important. Other things that people could do is constantly learn. So I've seen people who they stay in the same job 20, 30, 40 years, and then they retire and they were doing fine up until they retire. And the moment that they retire, the signs and symptoms of dementia kick in. And that's because that they hadn't learned anything new over the last few decades. They were very good at doing that same job over and over, but it never required them to challenge their brains and learn anything new. So they weren't making new neurons and new connections. And right? So you always want to be learning something new. And you can be doing that by reading, right? constantly uh, reading something. You can be doing that by surrounding yourself with people who don't think like you, people who don't, didn't grow up like you. It doesn't mean that you have to adopt their opinions, but just learning about why they think a certain way, learning about their story allows your brain to make new. Uh, neurons and connections. You want to learn new skills, pick up new hobbies, learn a new instrument, a a new language. So learning is incredibly important. Sure,
0: I mean, uh, they always say, try to learn something new every single day. They also, you know, take note of it, right? You want to make sure that you're absorbing what you're learning. And I mean, the world's at our fingertips at this point because we have smartphones and everything is, smart at this point. You can ask Alexa anything. I mean, my kids were asking her about the weather 16 times yesterday because they were waiting for it to rain. And I actually learned something because she's, I think, got tired of answering the same question. And so she, who's a, a computer, you know, said, well, did you know you could tell the temperature by the crickets outside? If you listen to the crickets and you count how many chirps you hear in 14 seconds and then add 40 to it, that's the weather outside in Fahrenheit. I'm like, you don't say Alexa, that's, I didn't know that. I just learned something new. And so that's a fun fact. I mean, do what you will, but it keeps you like, and then you kind of wonder and it gets your brain moving and and then you start thinking about other things, right?
1: Absolutely. And so, you know, one of the things that people don't realize is just the importance of sleep because when you get into the deeper stages of sleep, that's when your brain takes the things that you have learned throughout the day and consolidates it into memory. So that's when you really start to remember things, right? And so, and so many of us are sleep deprived and we really wanna be trying to get that six to eight hours of sleep because uh, that's what gets us into the really deeper stages where we learn things, where our brain cleans out the toxins that have built up uh, in them from the work that they've been doing throughout the day. Um, so sleep is also incredibly important.
0: I learned that, um, I wasn't sleeping a few years ago, which is, so I started looking for therapy or trying to get, that's when I started my journey on getting healthier and figuring out exactly what I could. Cause I was being sleep deprived and learned a lot about how sleep is. I mean, there's a reason why sleep deprivation is a form of torture in some interrogation situations. Like it really messes with you. If you don't get sleep, you're, you're snippy, you're, you hold more fat on your body because you're tired. And then you don't also heal and your memory sucks because you're not retaining and you're foggy. And there's so much that's linked to exercise and sleep that it's so important. I am using this new app, the sleep app called rise. I'm trying to be a more of a morning person, um, for those listeners that know I didn't know never have, never will. That's what I say. I'm trying very hard and it's slowly moving my bedtime back to an earlier time and telling me my melatonin window. So then I can sleep and fall asleep. And it's pretty accurate. I'm pretty impressed. And um, I've noticed that the mornings I I haven't taken the the leap out of bed, but I could, if I, I was like, I could, I could get out if I wanted to, but then I'm like, man, so warm in my bed. So I was just taking that step, but I can tell that sleeping more and earlier is helping me gain my goal and using tools and things to learn and teach your body. So it can be taught takes time.
1: Right. And, and I think especially, um, for so many of us who because of our jobs we've been sleep deprived or because of our trainings that we've been sleep deprived, we have to be incredibly conscious and mindful. Of our sleep habits and improving them right and uh, yeah and there are all these kind of things and strategies that you can use to really help you get back to you know sort of a, a better sleep uh, situation for you.
0: yeah I mean so. How how is your so let's go through your day? So how what's your practice? You're a parent, you've got two boys. Um they're they're almost, I guess, at the age where they're gonna be like not interested in hanging out with parents anymore. I mean, my nine-year-old's slowly, or he's almost nine, slowly starting to just piece out on me. And I'm like, oh, so I'm sure 10 and 12.
1: Yeah. So you know, the good that, thing is that I've always been an early riser. Okay. And it's from my days of tennis training, because that's when I would do a lot of my tennis training first thing in the morning. And so I've sort of carried that uh, with me. And my boys are early risers.
0: Mm-hmm. My kids are too.
1: <laughs> and so a lot of times we'll uh, wake up and one of the first things we'll go do is we'll get a workout in. Uh, and, well, and by workout, I mean like we'll go play basketball or something.
0: Sure, sure. Like you move your body. So,
1: so we we move our bodies um and we'll have fun doing that and then the rest of the day with them is a challenge of getting them off their devices and and, you know um getting them to read or maybe reading with them or talking to them about life talking to them about uh the brain and the power of their thoughts and all of this stuff so
0: yeah yeah it's challenging because kids look at you like 16 ways like what do you want to talk about like i just want to go watch youtube or i just want to go play my nintendo you know
1: yeah so and you know a lot of times it's about setting those limits and then i'm just like we're going out but like oh we don't want to go out oh no but we're going out (laughs) just
0: right right Uh, because it's you can't get stuck in the house like i tell tell mine it's it's like you gotta get you i'm a big routine person um and i'm you know Try to keep them off their devices i mean i took a child class like child parenting class a few years ago and they said that like a boy's brain isn't well developed until like eight and so you should introduce uh video games before eight years old because it helps like it hurts their math skills i have no idea if that's right or wrong i mean you're a brain expert but um I waited till he was eight to get him a Nintendo and now he's addicted to it and he can't get off of it. I mean, it's Mario Kart, something crazy, but, um, but then I get on it and I'm 37 and I, it's kind of hard
1: to get off of it. <laughs> well, you know, the interesting thing about kids' brains is that essentially for the first seven years of their lives, um, the frequency that their brain operates at is called theta frequency. So it's a much slower frequency. And it's the same frequency that we see when hypnotists are essentially hypnotizing people. And so what that ends up mean, meaning is that brains are, uh, kids are essentially just absorbing everything in those mm-hmm. seven, seven years of life. Right? And so, yeah, you want to be very mindful of what you're exposing them to.
0: Yeah, yes, they, they know everything and all things. And then it's interesting on how things come out later. Um, I mean, I've got my five-year-old who's talking about things that happened when he was four, didn't even think of anything, and then he just starts talking about it. And I don't know if he's getting it from his brother and sister, or it's things that are um coming to the front, frontal lobe, or however that works, to where it's like he has memories now, or he can't tell if they're memories or dreams. And so it's interesting to see what's been coming up and clearing it up, or no, or okay, that's interesting. Maybe that is something, you know, it's, it's their little sponges.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, yeah. And I think uh, that's why, yeah, you've got to be willing to have those open, honest conversations with them to <laughs> clear up anything that they may have absorbed those for seven years.
0: Yeah. And that's difficult as a parent, right? Because you take their age and you take what they, what, what they know to be, and then you try to explain it to them. I tried I've learned that lying to your children, it's not the best. It's its just a terrible idea. The best way is to try and explain it to them in a way that and use words that they know. But honesty is the best policy because they'll sniff it out or they can always tell when you're tiptoeing. And let, I mean, obviously, you use words that are appropriate for their age to explain it to them. You don't just like get it on the nitty gritty and just tell them can then they go to their school and tell their friends.
1: <laughs> That's right. Yeah you know, and for me, because my kids are two years apart. And basically, whatever I tell the 12 year old, the soon to be 10 year old, it, it, like I'm saying the same thing, right? So I can't give them different messages. Um, and so you realize just how much the younger one is really picking up and sort of advancing, uh, because they're taking in what their older sibling is taking in.
0: Oh, yeah, mine are, my oldest is three and a half years from my youngest. So it's, and then there's two years and 18 months apart, like they're very close in age. So you see they're a little bit distant, far behind, but my third kid is like, he, he's way advanced because he just watches his siblings. And I feel like he's exposed to more because they're exposed to more because of the age limits.
1: Yeah. I mean, those, Yeah, you know, I remember the first time I had like conversations about sex with my older one and I'm like, probably younger one you got to come in here too like we're just right right it's it's gonna be a little early for you but whatever we're we're having these conversations now
0: right you'd rather have it with them than the 12 year old going is like guess what dad and i talked about and and then he gets the message maybe a little mixed up and then all of a sudden it's like whoa wait no let's just be on the same page right yeah
1: Yeah. Yeah. questions that they want to ask
0: sure i know i just got the santa thing in the car the other day my nine. Almost nine-year-old's like, Santa real. I was like, why are you asking? He goes well, my friend at school says it's the parents. And I'm like, Well, I don't know what it's like in their house, but Santa's real in our house. <laughs> like, ah, I got your brother, I got your sister in there, but you know, those hard conversations happen. And then I had another one, oh, my daughter, who's seven, came and we're at Halloween time at the time of this recording, and she's like, my friend's parents don't like they don't celebrate it because it's you know it worships the devil or something, and I'm like, I don't think that and I know her parents I'm like, I don't think they phrase it quite that way, but um some don't because it's just a different type of holiday, and they probably just stick with the kid like you know, but you you get the filters from everyone and then you have to just dis- decipher it a little bit
1: yeah, you know having kids is <laughs> I don't think there's any you know, manual that accurately prepares you. <laughs> no, Hell, heck no. no. Always just doing the very best that you can.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, is there anything that you can leave us with on maybe ways that we can either help? I want to say mitigate the obsessive thoughts and things like that. Like my daughter, for instance, she has major anxiety. Um, it used to take me an hour and a half to put her to bed. And they're in therapy, the kids are in play therapy and that seemed to help. And I noticed that when she doesn't go, maybe because the therapist is on vacation or there's a conflict, she doesn't do as well and it comes back or she's easily triggered. And now it's gotten to where I only have to go like in and out of her room, maybe six times when I'm trying to tell her good good night, but she asks me the same question because she's having these obsessive thoughts. And so how one can help head that off.
1: Yeah, I think... You know, regular exercise is really great for anxiety, uh, for obsessive thoughts. It really helps to break up those patterns. You know, I tell people all the time that anxiety starts in the brain, but then has physical manifestations, right? Um, you may feel like your muscles get tight, your, your heart rate increases, your breathing can uh, increase. And so, but those are the same symptoms that we get when we're exercising on a regular basis. So teaching somebody that, look, these are all normal feelings to have, right? Certainly they have sort of their context and their place, uh, but there's something about exercise that really helps people manage those feelings a whole lot better. And in fact, most doctors and nurses that I know uh, who have anxiety or maybe even have depression, they don't treat themselves with medications. I mean, doctors, we don't have to worry about suing ourselves, right? So, So we treat ourselves very differently. Um, but they treat themselves with regular exercise. So there's a a neuropsychologist that I know who has horrible anxiety. And the way that he treats that, he plays tennis every single day. doesn't matter if there's snow on the ground, ice on the ground. (laughs) If he has a partner or not, he'll hit up against the wall. So he's constantly getting his uh, body to move. And so I think, yeah, enrolling somebody in some regular exercise program four or five days a week can really help mitigate uh, some of those feelings and obsessive thoughts
0: yeah i agree i think that when and it's also hormones and balancing and endorphins that release when you run and it gives you the happy the happy juice
1: yes so that dopamine goes up serotonin all of that yeah
0: you never uh you never wish you didn't work out right yeah like you always get on yourself because I, you didn't but when you do take like a five-minute rule where you just work out for five minutes, listen to your body, if it's just something you can't get through, then, you know, try again tomorrow. But typically you see it through and you're never like, man, I, I so regret doing that quick workout. Like I, gosh, you never do.
1: Yeah, and, and it's funny because now my workouts will be anywhere from like 20 to 40 minutes, right? It's no longer going to a gym, trying to work out for like an hour or more. It's like, no, it's efficient, it's effective. I'm over 40, so I'm not trying to PR anything at this point. <laughs>
0: right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to like keep in fairly good shape. Um, most of my workouts are done right here in my home, right? Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, it helps to burn off that stress, any uh, feelings of anxiety. It, it gets my mood uh, to a really great place. So for me, it's a great way to start my day.
0: Yeah. I try to get it in the morning as well. I do it at home as well. Uh, I work out in my closet and I do 30 minutes and it's on my computer and I try to get in four days a week. If I can, I think that that's a sweet spot for me. And it's, and it all stems, I've always been active as a, as a soccer player and, and all those things. And after my spinal surgery, I was in so much pain. And after my last one, I got into this new regimen And my spinal surgeon actually released me because he's like, whatever you're doing, things haven't moved. So your core is super strong, which means you have less pain, which means there's no movement, which means we don't have to worry about another operation anytime soon. So keep doing what you're doing. And then life gets in the way. And that's the first thing that starts to slip. And it's like, you have to stay and do it for you. And then your energy and your sleep. And I noticed like when I can get back into it, but I have to do it in the morning. I know me and I can't get motivated like after one o'clock. It's like, if it's not done by one, it's not happening.
1: <laughs> if, it's, if it's one of the first things that I do in the morning, it's just a great way to start my day. And it's like, no matter what happens throughout the rest of the day, I, I feel like I accomplished something. So for me, it's, a, it's just a great thing to do. And you know what I actually really started, uh, recently started doing and added to my regimen, is Pilates.
0: Pilates is great.
1: Pilates is awesome.
0: Do you have a reformer?
1: No. So I, I started going to take a, like a Pilates class because on my podcast, I had a, uh, I guess it was like a Pilates influencer uh, on the West Coast. And so I was like, oh, let me, let me try this Pilates thing. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, this is awesome for my core. It's awesome for range of motion.
0: <laughs> it's great. I actually had never tried Pilates formally. I mean, I've done like a Pilates-ish or like bar ish. Cause I always do it at my house. And a friend of mine, uh, one of my best friends wanted to treat me to a wellness day. Cause she knew I was having just a really rough couple of, of months. And so she got me all these, she was sweet. She got me all those vitamins that you put your DNA in. And she took me to the Pilates class. And I'm like, I've never done a Pilates class. And I used to be a personal trainer and all the things. And I was looking at this reformer, like, I have no idea how this thing works. And She was showing me what to do, and I'm like, "This is really challenging, but I like it. It's very medieval contraption, but it's great."
1: Yeah, it's awesome. And for me, especially, I tend to be tight in the hamstrings and the groin, and it's like, "Oh, it's just great for the range of motion of my lower extremity." So it's awesome.
0: And it's not just a girl thing to do.
1: It's not just a girl thing to do, although it's mostly. I think I've always been the only guy in the class. So, for those single guys who may want to meet a woman, I
0: was <laughs> gonna say, way <laughs> <ready> to go! <laughs> you don't want to invest time in a dog and take him because usually it's like get a dog and go to the park. Uh, go to go to a Pilates class.
1: Yeah, just go to a Pilates class.
0: Yeah, no, um, that's that's funny. Um, well, how can we find you and follow it? Follow you and and get more tips because I think that you've touched on stuff that we all hear about but really have been able to dive in deeper and explain more um and it was great it's a great uh, conversation so yeah. where can we continue that
1: yeah so people can certainly go to my website uh so i-n-l-e-b-r-a-i-n-f-i-t institute.com they can find me on uh instagram my handle is philippe.md they can find me on facebook and linkedin Uh, At Philippe Dion, MD, and I recently started a TikTok, so they can find me there too.
0: Oh, TikTok! Dancing on TikTok. (laughs) What?
1: I'm not dancing on TikTok, but you know.
0: You say that now, and I was teaching Instagram to new business owners and how to use it, and they always were like, when Reels came out, they're like, I'm not going to be doing the pointing and the and the the dancing. And I have so many clients that I see that are doing some crazy stuff now, and I'm like, you said you were never going to do that. She's like just can't help it. It's so fun. So you say that now, <laughs> your kids are going to come home and want to like do a fun trending dance or something.
1: Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. I'll have yes. to you know, tie it back to the brain somehow.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, that's the best way. And that's, it's a great platform. I mean, if you're not on TikTok and you're between the ages of like 35 and 65, like you, you need to get on it. Cause that's just, and you have a business that's, prime real estate. Um, I know it says for the younger generation, but I think it's a fantastic platform. Um, so, and you also mentioned you had a podcast.
1: I do. I've got the brain profits podcast. So we are uh, in season two. Um, actually we just released an episode today. Uh, each season has over 20 episodes and we're going to be shooting actually season three in Atlanta um, this January. So looking forward to that, which will be professionally produced. And we really looking forward to that.
0: How exciting. Well, definitely, um, listeners go check out his podcast. I mean, I'm always a fellow podcaster that likes to support other podcasters. I think it's important and, um, go check out Dr. Philippe. Uh, all of the links will be in our show notes. And I think you also have something that, um, you're coming up that you can also offer tell us a little bit more about you have a course
1: yeah so I've got a course called take charge of your brain uh, where I really work with people get them to uh, hack their brain so that they can create the health the life the successes that they want for themselves because uh, what I have found is that success in health and life all starts in your brain
0: wonderful and I'm sure that um, all of the information is probably on your website which will be linked in the show notes um, I really encourage listeners to go and check out uh, doctor here. He is full of knowledge. and um, thank you for being here and sharing all of the you know your personal journey with me and uh, your parent, your parent insight. I love that, and uh, your brain, your brain uh, factoids and things. Thank you so much for
1: being here. Thank you for having me. This has been awesome. So thank you. Awesome.
0: And thank you again for listening to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Go check out all the things in the show notes and don't forget to rate and review this episode. Thank you for your support. And we will catch you on the next episode of the chaos and cookies podcast. Thank you for listening to the chaos and cookies podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the chaos and cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See y'all next week for another episode of chaos and cookies.